Welcome to the Connector Podcast, an ongoing conversation connecting fintechs, banks, and regulators worldwide. Join CEO and founder Cohen van der Hoydonk as you learn more about the latest available trends and solutions in the markets. This episode is proudly sponsored by Fintech Belgium, the Digital Finance Association by and for fintechs. Live from the Digital Finance Summit 2022. Warm welcome to everyone. And yet we are here with another interview at the DFS or the best fintech festival in Belgium. Pierre, welcome to the stage. Ish. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Can you introduce yourself a little bit? Who yeah, are you? Course. What do you do? So uh, my name is Pierre Nemet. Uh, I am the, the CEO and the co-founder of uh, Sopiat, which is a, a fintech company located in Liège. And uh, I heard you're a rising star in fintech and wealthtech. Yeah, true, true. We are uh, really focusing on uh, wealth, wealth management activities. We provide a personalized diagnostic solution to the wealth management sector uh, from family office until retail banking, uh, private banking and so on. And the added value goes to the to retail investors, so non-professional investors. We try to have an added value for them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, this talk will be more about sustainability, yeah. ESG, yeah. and maybe not for everyone. What would be the obvious link between ESG and investments? For me, the, the, the link between ESG and investment is clearly the fact that uh, now the, the, the retail investor, the non-professional investor, uh, really focus uh, to, 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 to have ESG and sustainable investment. Uh, it's part of their uh, mind, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, <clears throat> So uh, it's it's a market requirement, and on top of that, you've got MIFID MIFID requirement, which is a regulatory requirement that come in, came into force uh, last August. So both together, market requirement and regulatory requirement, uh, link the ESG with the investment. Mm-hmm. And can you elaborate maybe a little bit more about? Uh, well, you 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 call MIFID, but maybe not everyone in the audience knows what MIFID stands for. So what what does it do? And yeah. what has changed then as of August this year? So market is uh, MIFID is the market in financial instrument <laughs> directives. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a regulatory framework from the European Union. Mm-hmm. And the goal is really to uh, protect, I would say, the investors. Huh? That's one part. And also uh, to control uh, the, the, the market, uh, the financial market. Mm-hmm. And, and what has then changed? Because... This, this is something that goes around for quite a while. For the insiders, you get MIFID 1, MIFID 2. Yeah. And now there's ESG MIFID. What yeah, does indeed. that mean? Yeah. Uh, so, so just to come back on, on MIFID 1 and 2, the goal was really to um, focus on the, the, the risk suitability, huh? uh, the risk assessment, uh, meaning that uh, you will take into consideration the, the risk profile of an investor and you will see how uh, product on the market are suitable compared to the, the risk profile of the investor. On mm-hmm. MIFID 2 ESG, um, you come with, so you, we keep MIFID 2, but we add uh, the ESG preferences of the investor on top of uh, his or her risk profile. Mm-hmm. So a more precise profile at the end. I would say the same profile, but ESG preference is on top of that. So um, more combinations of uh, uh, ESG segments, I would say, at the end. So more personalization. More personalization. Does that mean a big impact for the banks? Uh, I would say that uh, in terms of uh, current uh, um, regulatory requirement, it doesn't change. But adding ESG MIFID, uh, you come with... um, 
an add-on uh, on, mm -hmm. on the, uh, the suitability side because you need now to assess how a product is uh, suitable uh, really, um, uh, with regard to ESG if you compare the uh, investor preferences, ESG investor preferences with the ESG product information. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I do see that that's a big impact for banks because... <clears throat> Because of MIFID, um, the world, in my opinion, start to be about profiling and a lot of the systems, the portfolio management systems and so on, they were driving on the fact that they could work with profiles. But now what you say is that suddenly a client has, a, has his own decision and can make multiple combinations and that's the personalization part. So I think it's a big chunk for the banks uh, to big, big change for the industry also. Yeah, I'm completely, uh, completely aligned. Huh? Uh, completely aligned. Mm -hmm. I think that we, we spoke more in the past about uh, uh, profiling, meaning uh, uh, an administrative burden, uh, more an administrative burden than really personalization with ESG preferences uh, that need to be taken into consideration. You can have multi hundreds of different uh, uh, combination of, let's say, profile. It's not profile, but ESG preferences. Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, based on that, you are able to really speak here about personalization and, and not just uh, profile categorization, risk profile categorization. You can really, mm -hmm. you need the banks and financial institutions need really to propose uh, a product or end services that are now aligned with specific ESG preferences of your investor. And also falls within the profile because it's not that one game that the other disappears, right? So it's a combination of both. Exactly. And <clears throat> what, what I also find um, interesting is that a lot of banks to which I've been talking to were under the impression this was something that was put in place by financial regulators. But in fact, it's not. That's a part of the European Green Deal, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the trend towards net zero. And this is a consequence. So as, for example, SFDR, I'm sure you're familiar with that as well. Could you maybe explain a little bit about SFDR? What does it do? What does the categorization mean? And what's the impact of that? Yeah. Um, so uh, regarding SFDR, uh, we could say that the, the level of sustainable investment, um, we check, we analyze actually the level of sustainable investment. So the categorization, mm -hmm. article six until article article nine mm -hmm. uh, provide you an overview about this level of uh, sustainable investment article six six uh, is uh, concerned firm that um, are not uh, eligible to sustainable investment or you do not need to take that into consideration into your investment process i would say mm -hmm. uh, and if you look at the article nine it's the opposite uh, you need to define a clear uh, sustainable objective, uh, and you need to use a uh, benchmark or index to you uh, to to track uh, to, to follow up these objectives. So it's really the opposite in this case. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and what you see as a trend, there has been some occasions in the market where uh, some companies had police reinforcements because of uh, sustainability issues, and that predominantly has to do sometimes with um, with the labeling part. Um, so what you see is is there is an avoidance for greenwashing, but I was reading one of the papers of ASMA just not so long ago. Well, actually the latest guidelines that came out uh, last week and it talks about green bleaching. Mm. Have you heard about ble green bleaching? I heard about that. Uh, I think that uh, you refer to asset manager um, that um, um, invest uh, in, in funds that have a, 
uh, clear uh, level of sustainable investment, uh, but do not want to disclaim uh, this uh, sustainability impact uh, because of the uh, regulate, I would say the, 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 the data issue uh, mm -hmm. behind uh, the regulatory requirements. So for me, uh, yeah, that, that, that's, uh, I would say that it's really weird because uh, in, in, in one side, uh, you want to disclaim huh, that your fund will um, promote uh, sustainable investment. But mm -hmm. on the other hand, there are asset managers that do not want to, to disclaim that. So, yeah, it's, it's a bit, a bit uh, difficult to understand, I would say. Mm -hmm. But is the difficulty not also related to data in general? Like uh, not being... If not having the availability of ESG data already in the market. Of course, uh, there are still open uh, gray zone, I would say, and, and issues related to uh, the, the homogeneity of the, 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 the data, uh, the transparency of the data. And mm -hmm. you could see that different data providers will propose maybe different kind of uh, methodology and at the end uh, data, uh, transformed data, for instance. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that the, the current regulation and the forthcoming regulation Uh, are doing a great job huh, to to avoid this kind of greenwashing and, and 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 heterogeneity of data at the end. So working on that, I think that we are on the right direction. I would just have to add something. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that um, this classification, Article 6 to Article 9, is uh, uh, good in terms of um, uh, for for the if you if you look at the asset manager side, uh, mm -hmm. if you look at uh, what uh, the market uh, and I would say the retail investor. Uh, Would, would, would take into consideration. Uh, they are more concerned about the level of sustainability, the, the, I would say the, uh, the, the, the sustainable alignment or contribution that a fund could have mm -hmm. uh, without uh, defining that or classifying that into Article 6, 9 uh, or, or, or 8. Uh, they want to say, for instance, this fund is component of at least 20 or 30 percent of alignment, SFDR alignment, and compared yeah. to their uh, level of preferences, minimum level of preferences, you could you could do a, a great job huh, by really uh, assessing the suitability uh, between their minimum preferences and the contribution of the fund, and the choice of the client, and the choice of the client, of course, mm -hmm. if they want to uh, invest in specific teams, taking taking into consideration principal adverse impact, specific principal adverse impact. Uh, and at the end, we come back to this personalization level. Mm -hmm. Would it be a wrong question to ask you to explain the principal adverse impact? Uh, honestly, <laughs> I, I do not have my laptop in front of me. So this question <laughs> would be a, a bit difficult, but it's really uh, assessing the impact that uh, 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 an investment could have on the, 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 the sustainability side, uh, the negative impact that uh, mm -hmm. the, 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 an investment could have on the sustainability side. So, uh, for instance, uh, if a company um, has more gas emissions uh, than the, the uh, much more gas emission than the benchmark, for instance, then an impact could be detected and retrieved um, to to the reporting uh, to the reporting that SFDR is required. Yeah. Uh, Ukraine. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and then at the same time, it could also be an objective to lower this impact, and then therefore have a positive impact on a principal adverse impact. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, by asking this question, and I know it's a tricky one because it's it's not easy. I mean, the whole sustainability discussion, especially you with Sopiat, you you focused on end customers. But don't you think it's a difficult story for clients or end customers to understand? Of course, of course, it's a difficult story, and I, I'm convinced that uh, 
uh, if we if we could speak here about uh, uh, improvements in the future in terms of mm -hmm. directive or initiative uh, coming from uh, Europe uh, or the the, the 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 national authorities, it could be to improve uh, the ESG literacy, the non-financial literacy. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the first thing uh, to get access to information session or training ESG training. Uh, because they need to understand and they need to understand in the same way uh, the definition of sustainable investment. If you look, if you ask two different persons, maybe you will have two different answers. So uh, mm -hmm. for the moment, it's still um, an open point, I would say, or a gray zone regarding the definition. So we really need to to dig into the, the definition and really the, the understanding for uh, the retail investors. Mm -hmm. And at the end, it's the the importance is for all of us because of course. we should not forget we, we we're moving towards net zero, which is to protect our planet. Exactly. And uh, SFDR, I think that why the directives, uh, SFDR, MIFID two taxonomy, uh, are really uh, contribute to to this uh, this objective. Mm -hmm. And but again, there are still uh, improvements that could be done in the future regarding the gray zone and the, the clarification that need to be brought to financial market participants regarding these directives. Mm, fully agree. So, what do you expect that will happen in the future if we think about ESG and investments? But I think that uh, if we look at uh, again uh, this uh, net zero gas emission. Um, We need to uh, to really focus on, on technologies and companies that accelerate mm -hmm. uh, these objectives. Huh? That's the, for me. That's the, the main goal. And to do that, uh, we clearly uh, need to give the more transparent view to the retail investor, so that they can invest more easily uh, and leverage on investment uh, to speed up this process and 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 participate at the end to be involved in the, the this objective from from Paris. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well. Maybe taking you back to, to Sopiat, uh, you're a young company, you're a starting company, you're a Belgian company. What does your future look like? If you look at six months ahead, one year ahead, what would success look like? But I think that uh, we need to, to, to uh, continue to um, really focus on, on education, ESG education regarding uh, what we are doing and really assessing correctly Uh, mm -hmm. Again, uh, the, the the product or the portfolio in one hand, and uh, the investor expectation in the other hand, and uh, expect that in an easy way. And I said easy way because for the moment it's uh, more simple. Uh, it's simpler to to uh, I would say to um, assess with uh, simple uh, driver uh, mm -hmm. than going into the detail of the different teams, uh, ESG teams, and so on. It will come in the future, but uh, it needs to be step by step. Mm. I think that's a, it's a nice journey that lies in front of you. I obviously wish you all the best of luck with that. Thank you very much. And uh, Pierre, thank you so much for this contribution into this podcast. You're welcome. That was a pleasure. Maybe one last question. If, if participants to, to this podcast would like to hear more about Sopiat, where do they go? Uh, www.sopiat.com Uh, that was an easy one. <laughs> <laughs> that's an easy one, and that's the one. So uh, if you don't want to, cool. to ask a demo, they can ask a demo on, on the website as well and understand what we are doing, the service we are proposing to, to the market. Perfect. So thank you very much again. Thank also, you. Thank you. Also, thank you to uh, Fintech Belgium for making this podcast happen. Indeed. Thank you to the audience. And uh, stay tuned because, uh, as you noticed, we're not having just one series. It's a lot of podcasts that are coming We're trying to bring a lot of insights to the market. So thank you very much for joining and uh, hope to hear you soon. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Connector Podcast. 
To connect and keep up to date with all the latest, head over to www.jointheconnector.com or hit subscribe via your podcast streaming platform.